Treating seed this spring? AGI Storm FX brings you the ultimate innovation in seed treating for your modern-day farming operation, offering you speed, accuracy, and flexibility. With a simplified design, gentle handling, and precise performance, you can choose to pre-treat or treat your seed just in time. This season, choose the AGI Storm FX Seed Treater to keep you on schedule and ahead of the curve. Visit aggrowth.com for more information or to find your nearest dealer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Dubin, and this is the Rural Woman Podcast. I'm a first-generation farmer who married into agriculture. Born and raised in a city, I was so unfamiliar with where my food came from, but I was determined to figure it out. Through my journey into agriculture, I saw women who were strong, but humble, often taking a back seat. To me, these women were leaders who deserved a seat at the table. I created the Rural Woman Podcast to share the voices of women in an industry whose stories often went untold. The rural entrepreneurs who live and breathe their work, full of grit and pride. We come here to share our stories, to be in community with each other, to be challenged and inspired, but most importantly, to be celebrated and to be heard. We may not all live, farm, ranch, or homestead the same, but we are all connected. We are rural women, and our stories are worthy of being told. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of the Rural Woman Podcast. This week, you'll meet Deanne Chuko. Deanne ranches along with her husband, John, and their children, Matt and Riley. CJ Ranching is located north of St. Walberg, Saskatchewan. They run a cow-calf and long yearling operation along the Bronson Forest, working as close to Mother Nature as they can. Deanne is an equal partner in the decision-making process and day-to-day operations on their ranch. They manage their business using the holistic management framework to make financially, environmentally, and socially sound decisions with a strong emphasis on forage management and planned grazing. CJ Ranching is Verified Beef Production Plus certified, and they market their yearlings through EU natural and grass-fed programs. I am so happy to share my conversation with my friend Deanne with you all. I had the honor and privilege of meeting Deanne face-to-face at a conference before I ever knew who she was on the internet. So these interviews and these discussions always mean so much to me, and I'm so happy to share it with you all through the podcast today. Before we get to Deanne's interview, let's go over this week's listener review. This five-star rating and review is titled Great Podcast, and it's from Kathy10078. Thanks for creating this podcast. As a new farmer, breaking into this agriculture world can seem very daunting, especially if you're not a generational farmer. The advice and experience that are shared on this podcast are very empowering and motivating. Well, thank you so much, Kathy, for your kind rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. And my friends, I would love to read your kind words on an upcoming episode of the show. So please leave a rating and review wherever it is that you get your podcasts, and I will be happy to share on air in an upcoming episode. 
Without further ado, my friends, let's get to this week's interview with my friend, Deanne. Deanne, welcome to the Rural Woman Podcast. I am fangirling. I am so excited that you're here and have (laughs) finally agreed to talk to me on the Rural Woman Podcast. (laughs) Well, thank you for having me. (laughs) How are you, my friend? Aside from butterflies in my my, uh, stomach right now, I'm doing really well. (laughs) Well, you know, it's just two girlfriends having a cup of whatever on on a Monday afternoon. That is what I always like to preface this by. And whatever's in your cup, I won't judge you. So... (laughs) I'm looking forward to sharing. Yes. For the listeners who may be unfamiliar with you, give us a bit of background on you, who you are, and how you got your start in agriculture. Well, I guess I got my start in agriculture because I I fell for the farm boy. Um, (laughs) John and I have been together for a long time. I think it was in grade 11 when we started dating. So... That would be my start in agriculture. I was the town kid, always dreamt of, you know, having a horse and thinking my parents should buy the empty lot next door to put it in. But, you know, that obviously doesn't happen. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, starting dating John gave me my first taste of of uh, ranch life. And I'd say it maybe took me a little while to completely warm up to everything. You know, when you're first new in, everything is you know, pretty new and exciting. And, but, you know, there were some struggles along the way. I think when we first got married, it was right after the drought of 02. It was right after BSE. So the majority beginning part of our marriage was commuting ranching. So we were living in a couple different communities and trying to jam in cow work on days off. And you get working full time and small kids. And that gets fairly difficult, I think, or busy. So in order to combat that, we decided we were going to buy a camper and have our family time and our cow time at the same time. Otherwise, John was working in the oil field, commuting, and then going out to the cows, and I'm home with little kids, and we don't really get to see him. So we thought, well, let's uh, let's go out there with him. So we bought a camper, and we started camping as we were calving cows in the beginning of May, and that has been some of the best family time we have ever had. That is so fun, and also uh, I kind of think of that as maybe a little bit dreadful if you're not a good camper. (laughs) 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 But those memories are good ones to have, and looking back now at where you are and how far you've come, that probably seems like a long time ago, but with those good memories, probably not that long ago. And I was going to say, if you and John only started dating when you were grade 11, that was only like, what, five years ago, right? So, <laughs> Of course it was. Of course it was. <laughs> I think we just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary this past summer. So that puts a little bit of that in, in perspective. It has been a, a long, a long time so far. <laughs> that is amazing. That is amazing. So you're out there in this camper. What was your, do you remember back then, like what your dream was for the future and where you wanted to be going in this whole ranching operation? I guess it took a little bit for me, for sure, to to come around to to the ranching part of it. I think I I didn't know that that's that's what I wanted, I think, for, for my life. I felt that, 
you know, we went through some times where, you know, cows were the, you know, they, if they need something, they need it now. So maybe there's a little resentment on my part, I think, sometimes a little bit with, you know, we were second or the kids were second. And because the cows, you know, if they needed something, they they were they were the trump card, right? But I, in the last, I don't know, say 10 years or so, things really started to change for me. And we decided that we were either going to build out on the pasture where we were camping. And we thought, well, instead of, you know, putting a bunch of money in and building at this point, maybe we should talk to your parents and see what they want to do. Maybe they have plans to, you know, move to town or they're thinking of slowing down. It was never the plan to take over their operation or to buy them out at that point. So we thought, we better have that conversation. So John went and had the conversation with his sister and his brother and his parents. And sure enough, they, they said, you know what, maybe this is a, a good time to do that. So then in 2015, we bought out John's parents and we moved to his family ranch. That's a conversation that is a tricky one, I think, for multi-generations of families and as an in-law, navigating that conversation can also be extremely difficult, especially not coming from that background. And if there was no past of, you know, families working together in a business that can also, you know, add so many layers of complexity to it. But it sounds like the transition from camper to home... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, you're still there. You've moved in. Uh, so obviously, it went well. <laughs> it did. I, I give John a lot of credit for for wanting to have a very open conversation about doing it. And, and so everybody was on the same page and there was no miscommunication. So I was I was really proud of him for for making sure that that all went smoothly. And now relationships are good so it, it's wonderful that it's an opportunity too for his dad to come out whenever he wants to come out so it's not like he could never come out anymore you know if they would have sold it to somebody else so and we're, we're very thankful for you know having John's dad available to help us whenever we need to or you know it's it's yeah it's been it's been really good and I'm very thankful that that we did do it and I'm so happy to be out here yeah that is so good and you know such a journey in itself, right? Like you had said, there could have been some resentment around other things coming first before what mm -hmm. you would think should come first, like your relationships or your kid's soccer game or whatever it is, right? And for people like myself, learning to adjust to that is a really big jump and it's a really big leap from relationships that I was used to in my life anyways and from what I would say was quote normal uh, outside of agriculture so we could probably go down a whole rabbit hole on that topic <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it, it took me a while I think I think I got there when like so once we moved out here in 2015 then you know we had like before that we had about 80 cows so it was you know, John was working full-time, I was working full-time. It was kind of, you know, not our full-time gig was ranching. So now, you know, we had bought a little bit more land. We were actually out here. There was no more commuting. So we thought, well, now it's time to increase cow numbers. And then, so then that's when holistic management came in to our life for that is, 
okay, now we need to increase cow numbers. We need to plan. We need to financial plan. We need to make all these big decisions. And we didn't really know how to do that. So we were, I guess, kind of looking around to see what was available out there for learning opportunities to kind of learn how to make some of these big decisions. And it just kind of worked out that holistic management sort of fell in our laps and so thankful we took, we ended up being able to take the course and they gave us a lot of tools to make those decisions. You are making my job so easy in asking you questions because that was my <laughs> next thing of, uh, you know, you are out there now, this is going to be your full time way of earning a living and all of these things. What was it about holistic management that made sense for your farm? Actually, back up. Before I even ask you about that, for the <laughs> listeners who may not be familiar with what holistic management is, can you give us a bird's eye overview of what holistic management actually even is? Well, I guess for, for me, it's a decision-making framework and it looks at three things, your people, your finances, and land and livestock. So real big emphasis on people, you know, setting that goal, looking at what you want your quality of life to look like. And, you know, so you're, everybody on your management team is on that same page. You've got that guiding star that's, you know, kind of helping you in all the decisions that you make. And then, of course, you know, the financial part of it, we, we really needed help in, you know, budgeting and doing a financial plan for, like, what does this look like when we're going to get you know, a cattle loan and, and, you know, big numbers, right? So we needed, we needed help in, in that aspect. And then, of course, you know, we just took line and sinkered on the grazing part, like the holistic plan grazing. I think we took the course in 2016, and that summer would have been the first summer that we did, like, planned grazing where we're moving daily or more as we can and building temporary fence, and, and that has been like a big part for us, for sure. We, we love that. We, we really enjoy the grazing part of it, but everything that holistic management has given us and, and the people we met have just been amazing. So definitely, yeah, highly recommend and definitely added to our life. Yeah, for sure. Well, and that's kind of a story of how we met with one another because we met at a conference in person and they were speaking about holistic management at this conference. And this is where I was really able to learn more about it and meet people such as Kelly Sidoric, who's been on this podcast before. I got to interview Kelly in front of a room full of people, which was a new experience for me. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But I got to learn more about the system and how it works and the way that you explained it was perfect. It's people, finances, land, and livestock, which when you think of agriculture, that basically encompasses everything about it and finding a way that they can holistically work together and make your quality of life, finances, your livestock, and your land all work together in a symbiotic relationship. So what made you and John decide that this was the framework that you wanted to build your operation around? I think I want to say in the past, Don Campbell used to write for the Canadian Cattlemen and John would religiously cut out every article he wrote and he would put them in a binder and they just spoke to him. So when 
you know, when you get to know Don and he is, he's a long time holistic management educator and we're so thankful to be able to call him a friend and a mentor now. And it just, it just spoke to us. Like we're, you know, we, we try and work with mother nature. We, we try and, you know, just, yeah, it, it just spoke to us, the people. And it was very easy. It, they, they broke it down very easy with, you know, the people on the finances, the steps are very easy. The grazing planning, once you get the steps, it is very easy. So it just, it made it an easy path for us to make, make the decisions, I think. And then, yeah, the people, the support that we've got from the people that we've met and the educators and people like Kelly and Dawn, you know, so thankful to have those people in our life. It just seems like the whole holistic management kind of can I call them groupies? Like you all just seem (laughs) (laughs) to work together so well and you share with one another what you're learning and what you're seeing and it really helps everyone grow. And honestly, I, I look at kind of that team and really wish that agriculture as a whole would adopt that type of information sharing as not something that they kind of keep close to them, like, this is my information and nobody else can know it. It is like, if I'm learning something and sharing with you, that can help your land and your livestock and the management of your farm. And then you can share that with other people. Like, I just think that, you know, when I think of holistic management, like, I just think of everyone and everything working together. So I just love the framework of the program. Yeah, the support has been amazing. So usually when you take the course, you create like a management club with the farm units that you took the course with. And it didn't quite work out for who, where we took the course, but there was an existing management club in our local area. So we like, you know, really nicely asked if they would let us join. <laughs> and and they have just been wonderful. You know, we try and meet monthly, have a potluck, and then whoever is hosting that particular meeting, they decide ahead of a time on a topic to discuss. So, you know, lots of different topics, and it's a safe place. So if you want to talk about, like, something that's really out there that's not done traditionally or something like that, it's a safe place to bring it up, and you've got all these different minds to, you know, bat that idea around. And, and yeah, the support has just been wonderful for that kind of thing. That is awesome. So one thing that you mentioned was about the grazing on your farm and for your animals. Tell us what a typical grazing year looks like for you. You know, when we think of grazing, I kind of think of, you know, the green rolling hills. But as I look out my window here in uh, February, (laughs) I know that's not the case for where I live and you're even further north than I am. So (laughs) tell us about your typical grazing year and what that looks like. Well, typically start planning probably next month for our grazing season. And then in the past, we have we keep our yearlings and we have our main cow calf herd so usually we'll run two groups of our yearlings and our cow calf and so sometimes you know john will say move yearlings and i'll move cow calf and so you know we'll go out in the morning you know build our temporary fence move the cows and have some family time in the afternoon kind of thing is is usually our our plan and yeah, there's, there is nothing better, I think, than 
getting up early in the morning, not too early. John usually beats me up every time, but, you know, to go out in the quiet, out in nature, and, you know, just to be out there with the animals, I get a lot of joy out of that. It really fills, fills my cup to be out. We've got a lot of bush here. We're right along the uh, Bronson Forest, which is a provincial forest around close to us. So we do have a lot of open land, but we do back onto that forest. So, you know, there's it's just it's a beautiful spot. I'm so thankful to be here and it, it just makes me feel good every time I'm out, out in nature, just, just seeing everything. Yeah, absolutely. So from the time that you have started adopting these practices, what are some of the changes that you've seen with your land and your animals? For sure. A big one is diversity. We uh, definitely are seeing more and more plants that we have not seeded, right? So it's really neat to see because the the animals are only in that paddock for a short period of time and then they're moving on in their grazing plan. So, you know, that paddock has all the opportunity to give those plants and any wildlife the opportunity to thrive. So we're, we're seeing definitely an increase in our diversity which is really neat because I don't know what any of these plants are. I don't have any training in that. So, you know, I use plant ID apps on my phone or I'll take a picture and send it to somebody that, you know, is very knowledgeable on social media. What is this? You know, I've seen this. So I think that's really interesting too. I find I'm definitely looking at the ground a lot more, you know, and, and looking to see, you know, different wildlife or dung beetles or earthworms or, or just, just to try and, be observant of what's going on in the ecosystem that we have. So we're, we're really trying to notice and see if we've got increases in those things, which we are seeing for sure. We're definitely seeing increase in our grazing days. Definitely showed in this last year when Mother Nature decided to turn off the taps for us as we, I think the drought was very widespread. So we experience, we don't typically experience a lot of drought type scenarios we we typically get some some moisture up this way but this year it was definitely a lot drier but we always seem to have you know new grass in front of the cows so we are very thankful for that so yeah definitely increased grazing days what about the animals what benefits have you seen from your animals and grazing them well we can definitely fit or i guess sustain a lot more animals on our land by grazing this way than we could just if we were continuously stalking so you know, we're always being able to add more animals, which is going to then add to our bottom line. So that would probably be the biggest thing. You know, and they're seeing us every day, so they're they're very used to us coming out there. We use tents mostly to move the animals, which is, you know, you're just going to stick it underneath your either high tensile wire or your temporary wire and stick the tent in there and and it's funny they know when you come out there with a tent they're like oh it's time to move where are we going Dan? let's go and they hunt that thing so you put that in and it doesn't take long to move the cows to the next paddock or whatever so you know they're very they're, they're definitely not not flighty that's for sure although we would prefer to have a little bit of lightiness, I think, in them. Just, again, where we're located, you know, there's a lot of predators around. We've had bear issues, wolf issues, that sort of thing. So we definitely want that mothering instinct still in our animals for sure. But I would probably be really guilty. I would just want them all to be my best friends. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's it. I, I I definitely like, you know, a few in the herd that I can go up and pet. I think we have one right now that I can 
pet and scratch. So that 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 makes me happy. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned a couple of the challenges that you faced. One of them the drought of 2021. I don't know how many people got, you know, away with that one or didn't have to deal with that. And predators, like those, when you're obviously in a forested area, they have a lot more places to hide. And those cows and calves probably look real tasty to them. But uh, for grazing, for challenges that way. What would you say are the biggest challenges with the actual grazing itself? I would say probably like bigger moves or moves when our calves are really young because we we calve May, June. So as soon, you know, May, as soon as those poplar leaves start popping, we're starting to count our recovery days. So we're starting to move then. So at the very beginning, I'd say we struggled with trying to move young calves the whole herd because they at the beginning it's like okay you got to go from one paddock to the other everybody's got to move over and we're like you know maybe you don't if there's a new mom or something back there we don't have to move her to the new paddock right away she's gonna she knows where the new grass is she's not gonna stay there long when she wants to move her calf over that's fine let's you know not mess around with that because I think sometimes we created a lot of issues ourselves that way so we stopped using a back fence when those calves were really young and then I'd say that solved a lot of issues sometimes when you do bigger moves you do have some some issues so we really try and look back what worked in the past what didn't work in the past so try and look back and see you know if we can make it better Another challenge we have with moving is we have, and I wouldn't say a major highway because we're not in a very populated area, but it's kind of a a vein to some lake country, so it does get fairly busy, but we have a highway that runs right through the middle of our ranch, so we try and build the plan usually to not cross the highway when calves are young, so just to try and make things a little easier. But we are crossing that highway fairly regularly with different herds all throughout the year. So we really try and, you know, we'll build catch pens on either side of the highway or use wire or, you know, most of the time I'm not too worried about the cows crossing the highway. I usually more so worry about whether somebody is paying attention, not on their phone, and they'll stop. We haven't had any any major problems so far. Everybody's been really good, but it's always in the back of my mind. Yeah, it's, I, you know, when you're talking to a grain farmer and (laughs) when I'm imagining having to do something like this, I'm just like, it's, you know, I can't even fathom it to move all of those animals across a highway. There are times where, you know, even driving, if I have to drive the grain truck anywhere and thinking about crossing the highway in the grain truck gives me anxiety. So (laughs) where are you marketing your cattle? How are you distributing them after they leave your ranch? We try to market as many as we can naturally. So we're documenting anything that gets treated and everything we do to all the animals. So as many animals as we can to market naturally and EU certified, so European Union certified. So we try and do as much that way which has been working really well for us the last few years. We're very happy with that. We keep a few to direct market ourselves. Like I I really think that it's important and 
what you fuel your body with. So I want to fuel my family with food and, you know, meat and I'm not the best gardener, but whatever vegetables we can grow, I want to fuel my family with that. So I want to then be able to offer some of that to my community. So we keep a couple animals every year to, you know, peace out that way. And just starting that, I think we have room for expansion for sure. I think that would be about it for how we, how we market. That's perfect. That answers my question. <laughs> <laughs> You can help support the stories of women in agriculture to be shared through the Rural Woman podcast on Patreon. What is Patreon? It's a membership-based platform that helps fund and support creators like me to create and produce content like this that you all love. New to the Rural Woman podcast, Patreon is ad-free listening and patron-only bonus content and exclusive episodes. Learn more and join the patron gang today at patreon.com slash the rural woman podcast. Now we're going to go back and dive into more of the personal growth stuff. (laughs) So looking back now, let's go back to grade 11, Deanne. Yeah. (laughs) What advice would you give yourself now looking back to better transition a younger woman into agriculture that maybe didn't grow up this way? I think open myself up to the people in the industry earlier. Like, I feel like John and I, you know, we were, it was just a part-time thing. We were busy working. We didn't really interact with you know, anybody else in the industry at all until we started learning, until we started going to conferences and learning and then realizing how important networking is and how much you can learn from other producers. And so I'm kind of disappointed in ourselves that it took us, you know, that long to to really make some really good connections that way. And we've met so many good people now that, you know, have just expanded our network and enhanced our life really of some of the people that we've met. So I, I'm, I wish we would have done that sooner, I think. And I probably wish that I would have maybe jumped in with both feet earlier too. I think I feel like maybe I waited a little bit and, and I think too waited until like the kids were, kids were older. So our, my kids are 13 and 16 right now. So fairly independent, you know, I don't have to be here supervising or feeding them or that sort of thing. So I can, you know, go for a ride or I can go move cows or I can go do whatever. And they're, you know, very independent to get their chores done and do whatever on their own. So that might be a part of what kind of held me back, but yeah, definitely the people for sure. One of the things that when I think of you, Deanne, is something that maybe you have forgotten about, but it's something that I think about quite often. And it's something (laughs) that you actually wrote on Instagram a while ago. And if it's okay with you, would you be okay if I read your Instagram post? Sure. Okay. Can you remember which one I'm thinking of, do you think? I think I know which one you are, but I'm really curious to see. We'll see. (laughs) So... You wrote this, let's see, 47 weeks ago, whatever the date was then. (laughs) And it's titled, 
just wear the damn hat. <laughs> and I'm getting teary-eyed even before you start reading it. Okay, so this is what you wrote. Just wear the damn hat. I've been eyeing this hat up since the fall. When I first saw it, I tried it on and I loved it. And for context, my friends, she is wearing a fabulous rancher's hat and she looks great wearing it. Uh, and I loved it. Says, But I'm not a cowboy. I can't wear that. Every day, all year long, I wear a hat, moving cows, doing chores, working around the yard or anything at all. I wear a hat every damn day. So why do I have such a hard time wearing this one? Should I? Would it make a difference if I grew up on a farm instead of in town? Should I care what other people may think of me? Am I trying to be somebody that I'm not? At the end of the day, does that actually matter? No. Does it make me happy? Yes. Is it comfortable? Yes. Will it shade me from the sun and hopefully save my face <laughs> from more wrinkles? I sure hope so. So I bought the hat. Life's too short to worry about all that other shit. Just wear the damn hat. <laughs> oh, that, that, no, that's a good one. <laughs> that is a good one. That is a good one. And it's something that I think about a lot. And for me, it doesn't even just need to be the damn hat, right? Even though you look really fabulous with that hat. <laughs> I think the message there is, you know, we look to others for that validation. I think sometimes, especially as women in our industry, to validate what we are, who we are, and if what we're doing is good enough and is worthy enough to call ourselves a farmer or a rancher or to wear those overalls or to have work boots on or whatever it is. I think that message there mixed with your reaching out to community, I think are so important. And first of all, I want to thank you for that. <laughs> I think I bought my first beautiful rancher hat after that. And uh, <laughs> uh, I loved your hat too. That was a beauty. It's a great hat. <laughs> I'm and I myself am not a rancher. I, I don't. <laughs> I don't think I am. But uh, I think that can be said for a lot of roles that women play in agriculture. What is your message to the women who may be listening to this, who may see themselves in? a season that you may have been in many years ago where they thought that maybe either the industry wasn't for them or they didn't fit in or they just didn't know what their place was. What advice do you have for them? I think for me, most of it was what I built up in my own head. You know, when I, when I finally wore the hat and had the courage to, you know, go to the branding to help out or whatever and wear the hat, I was so nervous that, you know, somebody was going to think that I I didn't deserve to wear that hat or, you know, I just, I shouldn't be wearing the hat. But all of that was just mental blocks that I built up. You know, everybody was so welcoming and nobody, you know, it's a nice hat to you. You know, it wasn't a, what are you doing? So I think just try and put those doubts that you put in your mind away because that's all that's there is your own your own doubts and I struggle with that a lot of 
of trying, you know, I have lots of, lots of reservations in my own mind that I need to work on to, to grow and push myself out of my comfort zone. Like doing like something like this today with you, I was, you know, well, who wants to hear my story or I don't really have anything specific to talk about. You know, again, those are just things in my mind that I need to break down. So, and push myself and I'll feel better for it. And nobody else is thinking that it's just me. I needed to get rid of that. Well, and I think there's a lot of times where we can be our own worst enemy. And like you said, build up those stories that they're not true necessarily. One thing that I've heard once that's always stuck in my mind is if you're having these doubts or if you're having these talks with yourself of, oh gosh, if I show up and I'm wearing a rancher's hat and people aren't going to think I'm worthy of wearing this or whatever it is, right? Using the hat as an analogy, everyone, you know, who told you that? And that's something that I've had to ask myself, well, who told you you can't do that? Or who said that you would look silly doing this or whatever it is, right? And if you can't actually put a face to the name of whatever voice is playing in your head, it's likely you've built up that own bullshit in your mind. So <laughs> I- I'm going to use that. I am totally going to use that because, you know, it's not just a hat. It seems like it, you know, it comes up lots of times for me. So I'm definitely going to use that one next time I'm thinking, you know, having the doubt in my mind. So who actually yeah. said that? <laughs> Yeah, and if you cannot write them a Christmas card at <laughs> yeah. uh, the end of the year, then <laughs> it's likely that they don't even exist at all. Yeah, so. I agree. <laughs> well, I want to talk about something exciting that you recently did, and I was so excited for you. You got to stand up and present at a conference recently. So tell us about that experience. Uh, actually, it was less than a week ago now. I was at the Rural Women's Conference in Dewberry, and Kaylee Franklin had asked me to come and speak on holistic planned grazing. So I was really excited to go do that. I had lots of time to prepare, so I felt just fairly uh, prepared going in. And it was, I did not realize how much I missed in person events. So this was the first in-person event that I'd been at for a couple of years, probably. And I sure missed seeing, you know, people face-to-face. So it was really nice to get out there. And you had mentioned Kelly Sidoric before. She was there, too, cheering me on, which I sure appreciate the support that she gives me. I kind of went over everything with her ahead of time just to make sure I was kind of on the right page and didn't have any glaring issues and yeah she cheered me on the whole way and I quite enjoyed the day and I got a lot of uh, positive feedback after so that always makes a girl feel good too. Absolutely well and it speaks to you know building that community off of your farm and your ranch and building community within the broader sense of the agriculture community. If you haven't been able to go to a conference ever or, you know, after the last couple of years we've had in-person, things were really tricky. So things seem to be opening up a little bit more now. And as much as I really love a good Zoom conference, there is just something about <laughs> being in a room full of people who can understand you. It's just something that I don't know if people... I, I think people take it for granted sometimes, especially if they grew up in this industry and they're used to going to conferences and that kind of thing. When you're coming from the outside 
into a new industry and you're trying to find your people and your way, sometimes the people that you knew before have no idea what it is you're doing now. And uh, to try and talk to them about your grazing plan while they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. You know, that, that is, you, you find your people and, and, you know, like I, I love to talk cows and grass and so to find people that you can talk cows and grass to is, is awesome. And that's, that's, uh, positive too about social media too so you you go and you do a talk like that and then you find you know more people that you connect with online and you know the cows are wonderful and they're great co-workers but they don't talk back so you know it's kind of lonely out there sometimes when you go out and you you know you're building fence you move cows but you have all these people at your fingertips through social media that you can connect with and converse with and share things with. And so I I really appreciate that part of it too. Yeah, for sure. What is next for you and what are your hopes for the future and your ranching operation? I guess next for us is John's just hopefully in the next few weeks finishing up. He's away working right now. So hopefully he will be home and then we can start planning next grazing season we would like to probably, you know, always expand numbers, expand numbers, slowly grow. I think we'd, that's definitely on the horizon for sure. As our kids get older, we'd like to, you know, open up that opportunity if they want to come back. But if, if they don't, then, then that's a, not a conversation, I guess, of what that looks like down the road. You know, to be honest, our, our every day is pretty darn good. Like, there's nothing better than, you know, we try and do as much as we can on horseback and that feeds our soul. We do have a lot of temporary fence to build and sometimes the quad is easier and faster for that. But that that just doesn't feed John and my soul the way getting on a horse does. So, you know, if we are able to work together, to saddle up, to go move cows, to be out in nature, I don't really want much to change from that. So I'm I'm quite happy as things are living our, I feel like we're living our dream. Obviously every day is not sunshine and unicorn and rainbows or whatever, but, but most days are pretty darn good. So as long as I can take the time to recognize those moments and not let it all pass me by so fast, I'm, I'm so content and happy with so far how things are going. A little rain next year. Sure. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but but for the most part, you know, if we can grow a little bit, maybe grow the direct marketing a little bit, I'm pretty content with how things are. I think my next tagline that I will think of when I think of you <laughs> is, every day is pretty darn good. And that, <laughs> between that and wear the damn hat, that is what I'm going to think of when I think of you. <laughs> Obviously, things go wrong here at times, for sure, just like everywhere else. But but for the most part, we're, yeah, things are pretty good. <laughs> yeah. My last question for you, I feel like part of it's already been answered, but maybe you want to add some things to it. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most rewarding part about being a rancher for you? Most rewarding part yeah, there's probably a, there's probably a couple a couple things like, like I said before the people I I really enjoy 
connecting with the people in the industry and in holistic management and, you know, even just a connection, even just with a consumer or, you know, people who are not on the ranch through social media or something like that. We've had people come out in the past and I think that people connection, like I, I like to, I like to visit for the most part. I think these last few years of COVID have made it really easy for me to stay home and kind of keep to myself, but I do like to visit. So definitely the people part, I do get so much joy from the land. I feel such a connection to the land. So I think that is a big part of it for me too, is I just love to be out on the land. And and I really enjoy, because we keep our animals through to yearlings, so they are with us here. They, you know, the calves are born in May, June, and then they don't go for like a year and a half or so. So just to see them grow and change gives me a lot of joy too, you know, because I can remember, oh, I remember 110, I remember where you were born, and now look at you. Like you've, it's really neat to see them grow and change through their different phases and stuff too. And, and usually when we have the semi-load of yearlings go out, at that point, it's like, woohoo, you know, there we go. We've got less work to do now. But, you know, there's a big part of me that it's, you know, I got to get the dust out of my eyes because now I'm tearing up because, you know, we spent a lot of time with these animals. So it is fulfilling to see them move on to their next step in the food supply system. But it is sad to see them go because, you know, you've, you know, some of them you remember when, you know, you had to, you know, bottle feed this one or tube this one or treat this one or whatever, you know, you you just remember those connections with them. So I get a lot of, of joy out of watching them grow. For sure. That always makes me, you know, the dust in the eye. I, I get that quite a bit. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I always think my, my office must be super dusty because I'm always <laughs> tearing up yeah, over here. <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to leave the listeners with that I haven't asked you? I don't think so. Just if, you, if that doubt voice is creeping up in your mind, get rid of it. I had big roadblocks. Was it last, last year? Yeah, this last summer was the first summer that I went into the branding pen as a roper. For the last, I want to say, five years or so, I had been working ground crew and I'd been watching those ladies in the branding pen you know, they, and I wanted in there too, but I didn't think it was my place. I didn't, you know, I didn't grow up that way. I didn't really know what I was doing. So took a couple clinics, did some work with John, played around, practiced, and it was huge for me to actually go in there and try and do that in front of other people watching. And I'm so thankful I did. There was, so, you know, everybody was so welcoming and so supportive of me and I have improved and yeah, it is, it, I'm very proud that I went in and had success and yeah, so I can't wait for branding season this year. I'm very excited for it. <laughs> I, I just feel so lucky to have met you when I did and to see the growth that you've had over the last couple of years on your operation and to watch that grow and flourish and to watch you wearing that damn hat because I think (laughs) you are quite an incredible woman and I am so thankful uh, that you have allowed me to share your story today. So thank you. Apparently there's dust in my office too, Caitlin. I sure appreciate all your kind words. (laughs) 
<laughs> we really need to fire those cleaning ladies. Um, I think so. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> For the listeners who would like to connect with you after the show, where can they find you online? I'm mostly, I'm most active on Instagram. I do have a Twitter account too, and that's kind of where I started social media, posting on Twitter and met a lot of great people that way. But I don't know, I'm kind of addicted to those uh, those daily stories. So I like to share share the stories of what we have going on here. So that's probably where I'm most active. Well, you keep them coming and uh, <laughs> I will post those links in the show notes so people can find you and connect with you. That, that sounds wonderful. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank you again so much for sharing your story with us today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Rural Woman Podcast, a proud member of the Positively Farming Media Podcast Network. The Rural Woman Podcast is more than just a podcast. We are a community. A huge thank you to the Rural Woman Podcast team, audio editor Max Hofer, and admin support from Kim and Co. Online. A special thanks to our Patreon executive producers, Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre and Carrie Munven from Laystone Farms. To learn how you can become a Patreon executive producer or other ways to financially support the show, head on over to wildrosefarmer.com to learn more. Be sure to hit the follow or subscribe button wherever you listen to the podcast to get the latest episodes directly on your playlist. And if you are loving the show, please be sure to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that accepts ratings and reviews. You can connect with us on social media at The Rural Woman Podcast and with me at Wild Rose Farmer. One of the best ways you can support the show is by sharing it. Send this episode to a friend or share on your social media. Let's strengthen and amplify the voices of women in agriculture together. Until next time, my friend, keep sharing your story. Did you know that you can get this same great episode of the Rural Woman podcast ad-free? I get it. Listening to ads during a podcast isn't always my favorite either, but in order to keep the lights and coffee pot on here at the Rural Woman Podcast Studios, they are necessary. I am so grateful to each and every one of my sponsors, but if you yourself would like to skip the ads while supporting the show, consider joining me over on Patreon. Patrons of the Rural Woman Podcast get ad-free episodes starting at Tier 5 on their podcast player of choice each week, plus some other great benefits. Find out more by heading to the link in today's show notes to learn how you can become a patron through Patreon.